welcome back into the Irish NFL show as we lead up to free agency, the free agency tampering period, which starts on Monday, the 13th of March, then we'll see the business here on the 15th. Uh, this week, we're going to have a look at the Dallas Cowboys and wins. Dallas Cowboys week, we asked for a returning guest, John Michaud from the Eden, who's been on a number of times for John Crates. Yeah, absolutely. Grab me on. John, I can't recall the last time we, we, we spoke to you. It's been a, another turbulent season, shall we say, for, for the Cowboys. Successful in, in many ways, I suppose. They did, you know, get to the playoffs and have to win in, in Tampa. And I'm just going to kick it off with really the game. I'm going to know we're going to get into free agency and what they do, what they need to do and address the situation with the Capitol. Just reflecting on that game, you know, in January, it's, it's, it seems like a long time ago now, but um, like that was a game which, having watched it, as a, as a fan of a team in the LFC East, a Giants fan, and the Giants went out the night before and you're watching that game and you're thinking, I wonder how the Giants would have got on against San Francisco as opposed to playing the Eagles. That game, I felt that was one of the, the Cowboys really that slip I thought there was so many good opportunities you know you got the Dak Prescott interceptions you've got the Pollard injury and the Fortune only with the exception of maybe one or two drives in the second half didn't do a lot throughout the course of the game was that the sentiment you know you were, you were closest to everybody there was that, was that the, the general feeling yeah no question I mean you know the year before when they played San Francisco and lost at AT&T Stadium uh, in the division I mean in the wild card round you know, that was so disappointing because you lost a home game in the wildcard round. No other team had lost in the wildcard round at home. And so um, that was disappointing in its own way. And then they come back and then they have another 12-win season, which for the Cowboys, I mean, you got, you got to go back a ways. I mean, you got to go back to, you know, the early 90s from when the Cowboys put together back-to-back good seasons. So you're thinking, all right, you know, they're relatively healthy. You know, they're in a good spot right here. And... Then you also have to factor in just how well Dak Prescott and the way the team played against Tampa Bay in that wild card round at you know on the road, and I'm thinking okay that, that's what that might be the best game I've ever seen Dak Prescott play like this could be his moment this could be his time, and then in that San Francisco game I mean that defense has just been problems for him the last two years and he that could be arguably the worst game I've ever seen him play it's it just crazy that that happened one week apart from each other that I mean. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's the only reason they lost to San Francisco, but he was a huge part of it. I mean, not just the turnovers, but when they still had chances to win late, the way he started drives, I mean, he he almost got sacked in the end zone. He should have had another interception to uh, D, uh, Dre Greelaw. I mean, there's just so many bad plays in that game for him that were just so uncharacteristic. It left me just kind of scratching my head after the game, and obviously he took uh, blame for it uh, because that just, I mean, that, like I said, is arguably the worst game I've seen him play. Obviously didn't help that Tony Pollard went down in the first half, and you really look back at that game from the moment he that they lost Tony Pollard, they just weren't the same. They did not have the weapons which they've had in previous years. It was pretty much going to be all Dalton Schultz and CeeDee Lamb, and, and that just is too good of a San Francisco defense for that to be enough. And so, uh, yeah, it was disappointing. But even if they had won that game, I thought they were going to be in a lot of trouble against Philadelphia because they didn't have Tony Pollard. You know, they they couldn't afford after trading Amari Cooper, not getting much back in return, and and not really replacing him with with a lot. They couldn't afford to lose a playmaker like Tony Pollard. I mean, you hate to blame it on one injury or one play, but that really was that was the end there. As soon as he went down, they just didn't have enough playmakers left. Yeah, I'm going to get into the play calling in a minute, in particular with the fact that they've now moved on from from Kenneth Moore. But towards the back end of the season, they had a number of inconsistent performances. And I'm an annoyed show. We've got a lot of Cowboys fans who watch the show. And they're wondering what would go wrong. And I put it down to an arch said to the fact that 
for a long time the Cowboys knew they were the, the fifth seed, essentially. The, you know, I think they made a little bit of a run late on in terms of beating the Eagles when Jalen Norch was out, but you saw the difference when it came to playing that playoff game come to wildcard game. Like they had some inconsistencies finishing off the season. And I thought like the fact that they knew for quite a long time. And we knew it was the Bucks as well, because the Bucks were the fourth seed. They didn't have the best of seasons. They were the weeks of the four divisional winners. Did you get the sense? Because the game, it, it, you just alluded to it there. They were so dominant in Tampa on that Monday night game that, you know, you look at the following weekend, it was, just, it was night and day. In terms I honestly thought, yeah, because to your point, we did seem like it looked like that was what the matchup was going to be. And I thought that would have been a great matchup for the Cowboys because I was like, they've never beaten Tom Brady. They beat Tom Brady in this game. Um, they're clearly the better team than the Bucs. I mean, just the Bucs aren't even really, shouldn't even have really been a playoff team. It just they're in the, such a bad division. But you're thinking, hey, if they can finally get past Tom Brady, finally beat Tom Brady, which ended up being, you know, his final game, I thought that that would be kind of the momentum to catapult them to maybe this is this is the thing that they needed for to go on that deep run. Um, but I just, I really think it just came down to San Francisco's defense is just causes problems for them. Uh, like, I mean, they're obviously one of the best defenses. They're going to cause problems for anybody. And they probably would have for Philadelphia, too, if Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt. Um, but it just, it, it made you sit there and think, like, all right, this is two years in a row now. You've lost to San Francisco. You can't possibly go into the offseason with the same exact team for the most part and think that you're going to beat them. Like, you have to make some type of upgrade to this roster to finally take that next step, you know? And, and, and it's, you know, I was out in Indianapolis last week for the Combine, and just the sense you get from talking to Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, Mike McCarthy is they're trying to do more of the same, just kind of run it back again. And they're not trying to be like the Eagles or the Bucks or the Rams these last three years where those three teams clearly won the offseason and then went on to go to the Super Bowl. And two of those three teams ended up winning the Super Bowl. So you're thinking, OK, maybe this will be the thing that the Cowboys are like, hey, let's let's take a chance. Let's go. Let's trade for a, a proven receiver. If it doesn't work out, hey, maybe we dig ourselves in a little bit of a hole here for another year or two. But at least let's do everything we possibly can to make a run. And I and I just I get the sense that they're more of let's just keep doing what we've been doing. Yeah, I don't want to jump too too far ahead of it. I saw obviously you know scrutinizing the Daniel Jones deal today, and there's already talk of what they can now do because of the flexibility that signing a pair does in terms the cap and they're being linked already to DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins in potential trade. Look, there's a number of teams. The Cowboys' name keeps popping up as well. It, it makes sense, bearing it more in the, as you said, a Mary Cooper was let go for such a, a low draft pick that they would be in, you know, they would be in the running to send to look for a trade or go after someone in free agency. Probably come to the cap space in which the Cowboys have them in a So for you to be saying that around the combo in terms of running it back is a bit surprising, to be honest. I would have thought they would have been quite the opposite. They would have been looking at how can we make this offense even more explosive because you do look at position you'll need. And offensive line probably needs a lot of work in terms of testing restructuring contracts. McGovern was kind of one there. Eddie, what are you going to do with him? Does Zach Martin get a, a recontract? Cornerbacks. But offensively, it's wider save for me because, like, like, again, there's a bit of a mix of opinion. You see, you're not really a truly number one wide receiver in this league. I need to question where it's just still, still there. And is that a concern? Do you see that as a big concern if they don't go? If it comes to the draft and they're picking at 26, like, with all these wide receivers that, really looked like they were really good last week in the combine. I get it, it's combine and there's still pro days to come. Will they get a good word to see or is it that he really fits the need for them? Yeah, I see, that's the thing with me. I just don't think this is a great wide receiver class. And at 26, I mean, you could be getting a, a pretty good player. Let's say, let's say like J Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. 
say he falls to them. Um, and, and I think that that would be, yeah, it's a good pick, but I don't know if a rookie wide receiver is going to come in right away and give them enough of what they need. Like, I think Michael Gallup will be a little bit better coming now. He'll be two years removed from the knee injury. I think last year he still wasn't all the way back, so that hurt them. Um, I do think CeeDee Lamb's going to continue to get better. I, I do think that he has all everything you need to be a true number one. They just didn't have anybody perform like at number two last year. That was the, that was the thing that really hurt them. And so maybe Michael Gallup does that, but I don't think you can, you know, I mean, the key word I just said there is maybe. I don't think you can lean on maybe. I think you got to go out there and be aggressive and add a veteran type wide receiver that you know can come in right away. And hey, to them, maybe that is Odell Beckham, but it, but they still have interest in Odell Beckham. But to me, it's Odell Beckham didn't play all of last year. He's 30 years old. That's kind of like a Michael Gallup thing again, where you're just like, yeah, you're hoping, but how about getting somebody that's a little bit more proven uh, than that? And so I'm interested to see what they do there because the other thing at 26 would be that you could add a pass catching tight end. Well, you can do that, and you're going to likely lose Dalton Schultz in free agency. So does that really make you that much better? Now, that rookie tight end might be better than Dalton Schultz in two or three years, but I'm just talking about this upcoming season. I mean, they need to win this upcoming season. If they don't, there's going to be a lot of changes. Could be uh, The whole coaching staff could be out. So to win this year, I just don't know that you can just lean on that playmaker that you might get at 26. Uh, I think you need to add a proven veteran uh, at wide receiver, whether it be a trade free agency, whatever it is, to significantly up, upgrade that group. Because I thought that's what was missing last year. I thought CeeDee Lamb was fine uh, and Michael Gallup underperformed because of the injury. But if you can get that other guy in there that takes a little bit of pressure off of CD, takes a little bit of pressure off Gallup, I think that's what they need to do. Yeah, I was going to try two pairs. T.Y. Hilton, I suppose it was around the Beckham center. And if Beckham was it was very evident, despite the fact he was visiting teams, that he, he really wasn't ready. We're still not sure now if he's even ready now. And you bring T.Y. Hilton in and some Cowboys fans are saying to me, that's a great move. But I said, well, it's quite telling that nobody picked him up last year when he was released by the Colts in the free agency. And then I just, Dalton Schultz, said, for me, he's really effective tight end and he seems, he seems to suit the scheme. Now, I, I things may change with kind of more moving around, but I, I, I surprised that I'm not doing more to try to keep him and, and knock him down. So the thing with Dalton Schultz, the way I look at it is it just seems very similar to me to two years ago, uh, well, actually three now, um, when they went into free agency and they just didn't seem like they were going to make much of an effort to resign Byron Jones. And Byron Jones was a good starter for the Cowboys, but he didn't really have the flash plays, the interceptions. Basically, he, he wasn't doing the things that Trayvon Diggs does for them now. And they showed very little interest in resigning him. And I mean, sitting from afar, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, if they resigned Byron Jones, you have Byron Jones, Trayvon Diggs. I mean, that's really good defensive backfield. They weren't that interested. I get the same exact feeling with Dalton Schultz. Like, they think he's a very sound tight end. Obviously, Dak trusts him, um, but they don't look at him as the huge playmaker type tight end. Like, that, you, if they took a tight end at 26, that was because they think that that guy could be not just a possession receiver, but someone that could turn in some huge plays, you know, some a lot of yards after catch type guy. And I don't think they view him like that as the way um, – let's say like Travis Kelsey is uh, for the Chiefs or uh, Mark Andrews uh, for the Ravens. They look at him as more of a solid tight end. And I think that another team, and it could be several other teams, look at him as more than that. And hey, he'll end up getting probably, I don't know, 13 to $15 million from one of those teams. And I just don't get the sense that the Cowboys uh, want to pay that much for him. Whereas like if you draft a tight end uh, in this draft, you know, you might be paying $13 million for all four years, you know, as opposed to just for one year. And then the other thing is that you have to point out is just that they really were, they were ple pleasantly surprised with, with what they got at Jake Ferguson and Pe Peyton Hendershot last year at tight end. 
And so I think that they see them as being able to take on more than maybe they were anticipating uh, at that position. But there's no question losing Schultz is going to be, that's going to be an issue. Yeah, Schultz strikes me as someone who will get picked up in free agency, probably paid a little bit more than the market value, paid a little bit more than probably the production on the field. Kind of a, jack, a jag situation last year where the Jags were overpaying for players in free agency. Look, it worked out for them. They made the playoffs mm. for the first time in a long time. And you touched out there if, if next season it could be a bit of a win now type scenario and coach Shane. But that's the, that previous is to the Cannon Moore situation because it's a, again, it is like fans obviously have a varying opinion on this, but there's, there's a lot of Cowboys fans everywhere really who think Mike McCarthy should have been relieved of his duties this year. And there was other ones that said no, it was a lot, a lot of a stone to Callum Moore, the play calling. And even in the game against the 49ers, but I used the case of point before half time and Bobby nip picking slightly, but they're they're moving the ball, they're running the ball quite effectively, and you're conscious that it's nearly half time, for example, and if you keep continue to run the ball, you make the fourteeners use timeouts. And instead they, they go with that particular throw which ends up in an interception and people are saying, Well that's that's Kelly Moore calling the plays and then I read an interesting report last week where Mike McCarthy says we really should have ran the ball more in our season. And I'm thinking to myself, but you're the head coach. Surely at some stage, you're in these offensive schemes whilst you're at the offensive corner. And like, where do you, where do you sit on that? Do you, you, you think it was just the right time for Kenneth Moore to move on? Or do you, do you point any to blame on him? Or is it really McCarthy that really should have been more involved? Um, I, I mean, I think Kellen Moore is a good offensive coordinator. I mean, I think the league looks at it the same way. That's why he was able to get another job so quickly. And, and hey, th- that's a great job for him to play with Justin Herbert. I mean, to co- I should say to coach Justin Herbert. I mean, that could be that could be huge. I mean, that that's a team that could make a deep playoff run next year. The Chargers. So, um, I don't. I thought I think Kellen Moore is a good offense coordinator. I think that there is some of the Mike McCarthy's the head coach. Ultimately, this it's going to be decided on what he wants to do. If he wants to call the plays, he's the head coach. He should be allowed to do that. Um, I don't know that the re- the return on that investment is going to be any better than it was with Kellen Moore. I think some things will change. Um, I don't think that Kellen Moore was the problem. I do believe in changing some things, just, you know, because what else are you going to change? If, again, if you just run it back, I, like I said, I, I'd add a, some type of proven wide receiver, but Dak Prescott's not going anywhere. You know, CeeDee Lamb's not going anywhere. Um, Tony Pollard's going to be there. Ezekiel Elliott might be back. I mean, there's only so many different things that you can do when you have so many key pieces there. So at some point, something needs to change if, if you're not getting to that next level. For me, I would have run it back with Kellen Moore, and I would have tried to invest in, in, in a more proven wide receiver. It doesn't sound like they're interested in doing that. It sounds like that Mike and Kellen had, had some differences on the way that they think is the best way for this particular Cowboys team to win. With I, Mike wouldn't be saying that stuff about running the ball more, I don't think. If one, the turnovers weren't as high with the Dak having the 15 interceptions, his career high, which is just crazy high for him. That's just so uncharacteristic. But the other thing is, and the more important thing, is that their defense is really good, and they can win games with their defense. And it's been a long time since Dallas can say that on, on the defensive side. And so I think he wants to play a little bit more complimentary football as opposed to putting up a ton of points. But he can say that at the same time, you're going to have to put up a lot of points if you're going to make a deep playoff run. I mean, you're not going to be – this isn't – you know, you're not the – you know, old Ravens, Buccaneers defenses, you know, Bears of 85. Like, you're not holding these teams to, you know, 14, uh, 10 points and and, and going to the deep in the playoffs. You're going to have the games where you're going to have to score a lot of points. And so um, I would have kept Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy's head coach, so he has a say in it. If it's the wrong decision, then it'll probably ultimately cost Mike McCarthy his job. 
Yeah, you're saying that about at some stage when the playoffs you're going to put high numbers and yet defence does a, such a great job in that game in Santa Clara and yet you're probably looking at it if they can put up 24, 25 points, give or take, they win that game. So it's a, it's a usually frustrating ending to a season which for a long time you say it looked like especially on the fact that they won a fourth playoff game on the road for quite some time. It's gone quiet on the Zeke uh, front. Um, I know there's a lot going on this week with teams tagging players and new contracts to the Mary Jackson. Um, you touched on Tony Collard, obviously he's been tagged as well, similar to Saquon Earns, order running Max in the league, so it's what, 10.9 million, something in that ballpark for the tag. Um, there's a lot of people that feel because of the Zeke contract that inevitably did have to kind of to be a part of the way is I, I would have thought like him maybe I'm not as close as you I would have thought that's, that's the season bearing in mind how close we are at the free agency now and the fact that they're in the region of 18 million over the cap thing I would have thought if, if he was to be moved or something was going to go with it that would have done, it would have happened by now is, is that unfair to say or do you think it's just a case he will be there yeah I don't think we know for sure I mean everything that they set out of the combine is that they want him back and that he's still a part of this team I just don't know how it can be that way at that number. I think that number's got to come down significantly. Um, and I think most fans that watch the team think that too, that, hey, it's probably time to move on. Um, you know, it, it, that position, it just it's not worth putting a ton of money in anymore. I mean, it just that's just how it is. I mean, you mentioned Saquon Barkley. I mean, that he when he's healthy, he's as good as there is in the NFL. But at the same time, it's just that position, it just the value isn't there. Um, you know, the best way to handle running back, I feel like, is you – draft a, a rookie in maybe the second or third round um, and do that every few years and then just keep moving on from them and go to the next next player because of the pounding that they take. It's just, it's so difficult to, you know, for example, how Emmett Smith was with the Cowboys. Like Jerry really wanted, Jerry Jones really wanted Zeke to be like their next Emmett Smith. It just, it's just not happening anymore. You know, teams just aren't doing that. So Jerry loves Zeke. He wants to make it work. But at the same time, as you mentioned, there's so much over the cap that, there's some decisions that just you and I just seem obvious. I mean, you know, at, at some point you've got to go in another direction. Jerry's done that. He did that with Des Bryant. He's done that with Demarcus Ware when, uh, you know, it, maybe that wasn't the most popular decision at the time. But I, I think that's where this ultimately has to go. I don't think you can pay Zeke close to what you are right now, especially after you you just gave the franchise tag to Tony Pollard. I mean, you just cannot you cannot allocate that many dollars to the running back position in today's NFL. It just doesn't make this make any sense. Even taking away the financial aspect of it, and I know it's hard now because Tony Bonner's coming off serious injury, but production-wise over the past two years, like it's been very evident he should be effective the number one running back for the team. And I think it's only gradually as last season could have progressed that that became very yet more evident, maybe timely within the, within the group and the organisation because he, you know, he was evident in terms of how much he plays. But for Cowboys fans for a long time would say, give Pollard the ball, even if not necessarily... Um, you know, as the bell cow running back, but even, you know, he gets out into the perimeter. He's a great pass catcher. He's fantastic. And then with uh, Tony Pollard, you did, you got in with a fourth-round pick. You know, they drafted DeMarco Murray with a third-round pick. I, you know, I, I look at it this way. It makes sense to draft a running back this year, move on from Zeke, draft a running back somewhere in the second, third, fourth round, because then you have that player play this season. You go into next season, and if that player plays well— you don't feel pressured into have to re-signing Tony Pollard. You can kind of move into the next direction. You have to be kind of thinking ahead with the salary cap. You know, I mean, in the 90s when they were winning, there was no salary cap. So you could overpay guys and, you know, that that would be all on Jerry, you know, how much money you want to spend. But with the salary cap, you have to constantly be looking ahead to what the cap's going to be. You know, this is a team that 
They have to pay Micah Parsons. They have to pay CeeDee Lamb. They have to pay Trayvon Diggs. I mean, none of those guys are going to be Chiefs. Micah Parsons is going to be the highest paid defensive player that's ever played the game when he gets his next contract. Whatever he wants, that's what he's going to get. He's just too valuable. So you have to keep looking ahead to those things. So you got to make some tough decisions in some other spots. Yeah, you'd love to have uh, a physical runner like Zeke for some short yardage, red zone. He obviously still uh, ran well when he was down in, you know, third and goal, fourth and goal situations inside the five. But at the same point, you have to look at, well, how much is that worth of the salary cap? It doesn't make sense to to pay a ton of money for that type of thing nowadays. Case in point is the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and the bell cow running back in the Super Bowl is a seventh round pick. I mean, that's, that says it all, you know. You can find he's done. I think um, the 49ers had was valid with Mitchell a couple of years ago. I think he was sixth round pick and he was like their most effective running back. Um, you touched on the cap situation over the cap.com, that's an 18 million over the cap. And I appreciate teams will probably radically change next week before the, the new business year starts. And there's players I have on this tier that I'm interested to see what your thoughts are with it. Or, like Nathan Banderas has been such a really strong player for them. and. Like, you see him being brought back on a team-friendly deal? Is, or is, again, is this another one of the situations where, despite the production, how good he's been, such a great player for the team, that he just it's it's not the right title, it's not the right fit, and they have to move on, or does he still love to get him? That, that's going to be a tough one to predict because they want him back, and they say they want him back, but it doesn't sound like they're willing to commit the money. And the thing that, that hurts Leighton is that he's had these neck issues, and so it's it's tough to kind of see what the market will be outside of there. And it kind of, and and what the sense I got from being in, in in Indianapolis is that they, it's like they want these some of these guys to test the market and then come back to them. If you're Leighton Vander Esch, I mean, just look at the way the defense played when he was healthy and when he wasn't out there, it was a lot different, especially against the run. It, it, I mean, I could see how Leighton would feel disrespected if they don't make him a a, a decent offer. You know, and I'm not saying they have to give him a four year deal or a five year deal, but um, of all their free agents, he's one of the most important ones, most impactful guys in that defense last year, and so. Uh, my, the sense I got in Indianapolis is that uh, they kind of they're not looking to try and set the market with him. They want to kind of see what he thinks he can get, and they he wants they want him to come back and and uh, you know try and match or or, or give him a better offer. But uh, it's definitely not any guarantee that that he's back, and um, that that'll be a big blow if you don't have Leighton Vander Esch. They're going to have to draft a, a linebacker, or they're going to have to sign somebody else in free agency because the position becomes pretty thin. I mean, you got Damone Clark, who, who, who looks like a good player, but he'll only be going in his second year. Jabril Cox was coming off the knee injury; he didn't play very well or very much actually last year. So you got a lot of holes at linebacker if you don't have Leighton back. So um, they say they want him back, but so far from what I've heard, that the actions don't meet up with that. That they haven't really made a substantial offer to him. Yeah, I was sort of the. I suppose the marquee linebackers next week when they go with free agency data from the books, uh, Tremaine Evans from the Bills. These guys are going to get seriously paid. So you're then looking at potential players as second second level linebacker signings, and you have to ask the question: Are they going to give you the same production that you've been getting from from Van der Esk over the past three or four years? It's 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 always a like. It's, it, I appreciate where they're coming from in the sense of letting them go out to test America, but I think sometimes you let them out the door. The chance of him returning are quite very slim because he just he gets well by another opportunity in a team with has a kind of a different mindset and they kind of they're trying to sell their plans and and he says oh you know what it's just time to move on and it's just a dangerous game it does it doesn't seem to happen that often where this player goes out says oh, okay I'll come back with the offer and he just doesn't come back with the offer he says no I'll sign somewhere else no it doesn't I mean it did with Amari Cooper uh, he was gonna he got a better offer from Washington. 
And so it does sometimes happen with Dallas, because I will say a lot of the players like living in Dallas. They like playing for the Cowboys, the big brand and all that. And so I do think that it helps the Cowboys to a certain extent, but then it also can sometimes be an issue because the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, et cetera, they think that all the players are going to do that. And then you, what ends up happening is you get a Dak Prescott situation where Dak Prescott's like, no, I'm not doing any team-friendly deal. Like, I want to get paid like one of, if not the highest-paid quarterbacks, and that's why that kept dragging out and ended up, you know, ended up being a four four-year, $160 million contract, whereas if maybe they got it done a year before, it, it would have been – you know, cheaper than that. And they would, they would have had more money on the cap. So uh, I will say with Dak though, that contract, they can always sit there and restructure that, or they can give him an extension. And if they do that, then that will lower that, you know, their number right now, you know, being 18 million over. So there are certain things that they can do with, with, with the guys that they do have under contract like Dak. Um, but I still going into free agency, I just don't see the Cowboys doing anything significant. I think it's going to be the same as it has been the last few years where they lean on the draft, they try and sign some of their own, try and then, then, you know, in the second, third week of free agency, try and find some bargains there and piece some pieces together. And while it it has worked in some cases, you know, J. Ron Curse is obviously an example of that. It's just tough to sit there and and when you, like I said, look at the Eagles and the Bucks and the Rams the last three years, they all three years, they were clearly the team that was the most aggressive in the offseason. And they're the three teams that have rep- represented the NFC in the Super Bowl the last three years. Like, if that isn't the blueprint, you know, I don't know what is. I guess is it's like anything. Like you look at the Rams now, you know the model. The model was good for a year or two that they got they got close the previous year, and they win the Super Bowl. So you know, ultimately that's the goal at the end of the day to win the Super Bowl. So you could argue it's been worth it because. Right now, it looks like they're trying to move on from a number of players. There's even a storyline going out there that even Cooper Cup could be considered for for a trade if the right offer comes in. So essentially, it's a rebuild, but they have to they have the Lombardi. They've had they've had their day in the sun. Um, I just want to touch on it. Um, we've got a couple of minutes before we, before we wrap up the offensive line because for so long this offensive line has been, and um, you know, it's been regarded as was the best in the league. And I like right now, coming from Hound is still probably. He, Definitely top ten, but like Tyrell Smith, Zach Martin, we start to retouch Sean McGovern. Like, like I'm going to see a situation where again they can't pay all these players, and, and like there is obviously rookies have come in over the past years. McGovern for me is really case interesting. What they're going to do there, but like, where do you sell them in the office? Right? Is it is there a major move to be doing, or do you just think it's a case of trying to restructure and to solidify what's still there? Well, they're starting to get older. I mean, that's the problem. Like you say, Tyron Smith and Zach Martin. I mean, those guys are getting up there in age, so. They have to keep drafting offensive linemen, particularly interior guys. They don't really have anybody on the interior that they've drafted recently that you can really count on. And so if you lose McGovern, I think you absolutely have to draft, you know, a, a guard uh, within the first three rounds uh, to fill that spot. Now, if they lose McGovern and Tyron Smith comes back for another year, like it sounds like is going to be the plan. Then you're looking at a potential situation where they move Tyler Smith into left guard, which that which is what they were going to do last year to start the season before Tyron Smith got hurt. The issue there is that Tyler Smith ended up playing left tackle for most of the season, and they look pretty good, and he's their left tackle of the future. So I don't know how much you want to keep moving him around, but that is a play that they could make, is that they could make him move back into left guard to kind of fill that spot there. Um, but as you know, I mean, Tyron Smith hasn't been able to stay healthy. So how you move Ty- Tyler Smith back into guard, I mean, how many games is it before he's back out at left tackle because Tyron's out? And then who's playing left guard then? So that is one position that is – you know, with Zach Martin getting up there in age, you don't know what they're going to do with Connor McGovern. 
you know, that guard spot, they got to really, they got to add some pieces in the draft there. Uh, McCarthy was able to add some valuable pieces when he was in Green Bay in like the fourth, fifth round along the offensive line, turn those players into eventual starters. We're just not used to that in Dallas because that hasn't happened very much. I mean, we're used to, I mean, most of the guys that ended up starting for them are guys they drafted relatively high, whether, you know, it's a first round pick or it's a, a second round pick like a Connor Williams. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. But the interior, they absolutely have to address that because, uh, th- yeah, I mean, I don't know how many more years Zach Martin has. It might be one, maybe two, might be three, but he's not going to play forever. And then at left guard, you know, if Connor McGovern isn't back, then you're going to have to have, a, you're going to have to add a player there. So it's, it is a need, no question. Cause like you said, there was a time when it was looked at as the best offensive line in the league, but each year they're losing guys and, and, and they're, and they're having to replace it with guys that aren't as good as the guy that was there before. So, uh, no, it definitely still needs to be addressed. There's no question about that. Yeah. Like, Aaron Young last year, there was a sticky type situation. They brought in Peters from the Eagles, and initially we started, he started off, it looked okay, and then gradually as time progressed, it just showed the reasons why other teams were, were released him, and he was very injury prone. Um, it, uh, I, I would have thought, like, again, it's like the you expect them to be doing so much next week, free age, and you over the cap numbers, and it's, bit, it's unrealistic. And judging more of what you're saying next week, as we're going to wrap up, because there's going to be a lot of care as far as I take time out to this, they just, they shouldn't be getting. They shouldn't be panicking, but they shouldn't be expecting another big move, major move next week. We'll see the usual first two hours of tapering period with a lot of deals going through, but you don't expect the Cowboys to be really active in that particular way. I don't. I, I would say, as I sit here today, my prediction, if they were going to make a big move, I think it would happen within a couple of days, if not the the day of the draft. Whereas, like you saw last year, the Eagles did that trade for A.J. Brown. Obviously, it was a huge move for them. I mean, I, I don't think they have the success they do this year if they didn't make that move. If the Cowboys are going to make a move at, let's say, like a wide receiver, like I said earlier, I think it would be then that you'd hear about it. Uh, it wouldn't be in free agency. I just don't see them spending very much in free agency. I think that they'll try and keep Leighton Van Der Esch, uh, try and keep Donovan Wilson, uh, try and keep Connor McGovern. And then, you know, there's some other guys down the list, like a Jonathan Hankins and Carlos Watkins, who those guys aren't going to cost you very much. But in terms of the notable guys, uh, it will be trying to keep their own. And then I think that if they are going to make some type of a move, it would be some type of a trade, maybe closer to the draft at the end of April. So, yeah, as much as I would love to tell you or I, as much as I would love to write stories on The Athletic about how this is the year they're finally going to do stuff in free agency, I just, again, like from what I heard in Indianapolis, being out there for a week, I just, it would be very surprising if they were. To them, I feel like a big free agency move to them would be to sign Odell Beckham. And that is a big free agency move about four years ago. Like now there's a lot of risk that comes with that. So it's, it would be interesting. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's the big splash move that, that it would have been, you know, at least three years ago. I'd say it's a big risk, not just from a physical standpoint, but potentially even off the field in terms of what kind of Odell Beckham you're, you're getting. He was quite good towards the end with the Rams in fairness. You see to have matured, but it'd be interesting to see having not played for quite some time. What he's like around the brand, where he's like in the knock room. Whatever happens next week, John, you'll be reporting whatever small deals you have enough seat to draft in as we build up to that. So it's still a busy period, no matter what the case, this time of year with the NFL. So, John, really appreciate having you on. Hopefully, look forward to having you on near the draft, and maybe we can catch up and discuss whatever DLC you do over the coming weeks and whatever changes to me. John, for now, really appreciate your time today. No problem. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it.